Well, how many tech geeks are in the house right now? Uh, you know, sometimes, I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Napoleon Dynamite, it's a cult classic, but um, there's a guy on there, his name is Kip Dynamite, at the end of the movie, he sings a song for his bride, LaFonda, and he says, I love technology, and I love technology. Uh, earlier this week, or last week rather, we had to purchase a computer for our children's ministry. Uh, the church computer that we had was 11 years old. So if you know anything about computers, an 11-year-old computer is probably like a 1920, uh, like a 100-year-old car or a horse rather. And this dinosaur of a computer, it stopped updating. You know, Mac, they slowed it down. And as we were deciding what computer to get, um, one of the principles that came up was this thing called future proofing. And what future proofing is, is it's anticipating the future and developing methods of minimizing the effects of shocks and stresses of future events. And what that simply means is that we want to make sure that we just don't buy the cheap stuff that we want to get, um, not the highest stuff, but we want to get something that could, that won't be obsolete, that could go into the future. Um, it goes into the field of architecture, of engineering, of uh, construction, of climate change and technology where you anticipate the future and you prepare yourself for the future. Well, this morning, we're going to be talking about, as we draw and come into conclusion, the Sermon on the Mount, the importance of obedience. And specifically, we're going to uh, close with Jesus' last um, hurrah here, his last statement regarding foundation. And that in order to prepare ourselves as disciples under the kingdom of God, that there's things that we need to anticipate and look out for that we need to preserve our faith. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Let's go ahead and read, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And here's the conclusion of Sermon on the Mount, verse 28 to 29. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished, or were there amazed at his teaching. Why were they amazed? For he was teaching as one who had authority, not as their scribes. This is the word of the Lord. So let's just get right straight to the main point this morning. Would you write this down? Simple obedience is the solid foundation of following Jesus. Let me repeat that for you. 
simple obedience, this uh, simplicity of faith. Not that it's easy, but it is straightforward. There's alacrity, meaning there's clarity in it. This simple obedience is the solid foundation of following Jesus. Right off the bat, when Jesus calls his followers or his disciples, his uh, students and his learners, when he calls the fishermen, when he calls James and John and Peter and Andrew, and he says, come follow me immediately, they simply obeyed Jesus, dropped their nets and followed him. When he called Matthew, the tax collector, Matthew was at the collector's booth. He says, come follow me. He dropped everything in simple obedience to follow Jesus. So the distinguishing mark then of a disciple or a follower of Jesus is this thing called simple obedience. And I got this from Dietrich Bonhoeffer on his book on the cost of discipleship. And what he says is that the gospel of Jesus Christ, it shouldn't be, um, get, it shouldn't get caught up with hermeneutics and interpretation, but this idea that we hear God's word and we obey out of this childlike faith. I like to say it all the time. God said it. I believe it. It's settled and I'm going to obey. God said it, I believe it, it's settled in my heart. Now I'm going to obey. And the first point I wanna get to is this. Future proof your faith with the wisdom of hearing and obeying God's word. Future proof your faith with the wisdom of hearing and obeying God's word. Let's look at verse 24 here. Everyone then, there's two conditions. Everyone has a choice. Who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Let me go ahead and pause there. Jesus here, um, he emphasizes the tense. There's a present tense of hearing the word of God now. Now, during back then, a lot of the people, a majority of the people, they were illiterate. So for them to uh, have intake for the Word of God, they, most of them couldn't read, so they had to hear the Word of God. So for, I think for us today, we could read or hear it, listen to a sermon, listen to a podcast, go to church, read your Bible. So we presently hear God's Word, and what else? And we presently do it. Everyone who hears and who does, who, who acts and who obeys, in the future, you're making a deposit into wisdom. Jesus says everyone who hears now and does now will be in the future like a wise man, that you will be full of wisdom and insight, that you're not just going to be filled with head knowledge, but now You'll be like the sons of Issachar who knows the time and knows what to do for the future. That your present actions, your present disciplines, it informs your future. 
And when you hear and when you obey, you act with insight and foresight and wisdom and revelation that you will be a, like a wise man who will build your foundation on solid rock. Why do we need to build our, sol our foundation on solid rock? Why do we need to live our lives on solid rock? Because look at verse 25. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. It's not a matter of if the rains will come and the floods will come and the winds will come and beat down upon your life. It's a matter of when. It's inevitable. Jesus says that, that he causes his rain to fall down on the righteous and the unrighteous, that he causes his, the sun to shine on the just and unjust, meaning we live in a sinful world with fallen people and pain and suffering and loneliness. It's a part of everyday life. It's a part of what it means to be a human being, that we all go through seasons of suffering that you hear the word of God now you obey the word of God now and when you do that you are building almost like an insurance you're future proofing against nominalism that you won't just be a Christian because of that's what you affiliate yourself with. That when you hear the word of God now and when you obey the word of God with simple obedience, you are future-proofing yourself against lukewarmness. Where Jesus says, man, the church of Laodicea, you're neither hot or cold. You have no usefulness. I'm just going to spit you out. You're disgusting in my mouth. You're lukewarm. You're not doing anything. You're lukewarm. That when you hear and you obey, you're future-proofing yourself against apostasy, about against abandoning the faith of bowing out, saying, you know, I'm done with this Jesus stuff. Life is too hard. I'm suffering too much. You see, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when the rain of disappointment and despair will fall where the floods of heartache and hardship will come. The winds of suffering and sickness will blow. The winds of pain and loss will beat on you. Will you have the substance? Will you have the foundation of obedience to withstand the trials of life? It is only the substance of obedience that would ensure when you hear the word of God now and you obey that it builds a foundation on your discipleship that would safeguard against tapping out or walking away from the faith. One of the most influential evangelical scholars of the last hundred years. His name is George Eldon Ladd, professor of uh, New Testament exegesis. And um, uh, one of his great books of 
New Testament theology, he really reinvigorated and brought a robust understanding of this thing called um, inaugurated eschatology and a great man of God, but sorry, I'm nerding out right now, but George, Dr. Ladd, when he introduces himself, you know, he says, I've been a Christian for 30 years and I have no religious experience. Like what? Because oftentimes we base our faith on feelings. We base our faith on moments. We base our, our faith on chicken skin. But if you want to be able to persevere and outlast, if you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, the foundation of your obedience, the foundation of, of your discipleship must be on the solid rock of obedience. Because if you're just going to base it on emotions and fleeting heart of feelings and chicken skin moments, I tell you right now, by the authority of God's word and through Jesus' teaching, you're not going to last. Because when the winds blow, when the suffering comes, when the trial comes, when death comes, when cancer comes, when slander comes, and it beats down on the foundation of your discipleship, you're not going to last. But if right now you are building this desire to hear and to study God's word, and to read God's word, do your devotions. And if you have the resolve to obey, you are building a solid foundation that come what may, no matter what comes in life, you'll be able to withstand because obedience is the solid rock. Yesterday in our devotions, in 1 John, by this we know that we are his children that we obey Him, that we remain in Him. Obedience is the litmus test of your, if, if you're really a disciple of Christ, if you're a fan or you're a follower of Jesus. Obedience. Uh, look at Deuteronomy chapter 30. I love this idea of simple obedience. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 11, For this commandment that I command you today... It's not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may what? Hear it and do it. Verse 13, neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over to the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. I love this, but the word is very near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. Why is God's word in our mouth and in our heart? So that you can do it. Obedience. Don't base your walk your relationship and your faith on mere emotions and mere feelings, but the substance and the solid foundation of obedience. 
And in regards to simple obedience, man, it's simple. Don't add and don't subtract. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandment of the Lord your God that I command you. Listen, church, a strong faith is a simple faith. Don't add, don't subtract. Thank you, Jesus, because I'm not very good at math. That's why I went to Bible college, but um, no math required. Don't add to what God has said and don't subtract to what God has said. You see, in Deuteronomy, as people, as Israel, the people of God, as we're, they were in the precipice, they're about to cross over into the promised land. God tells them, hey, I have this great promise for you. The land is yours, but listen, don't add or sub subtract, but what? Keep the word of God. You see, adding to scripture is a rationalization mechanism to subconsciously disobey God's commands as impossible to keep. Do you remember Eve when she was tempted? Original sin, what happened? She decided to add, right? Where God said, hey, you, you shall not eat from the fruit, the knowledge of good and evil. And when the serpent tempted her, what did Eve say? Oh, God said we should not eat or even look at it or touch it adding to it and equally bad is not only adding to the word of God but subtracting it oh that's not what Jesus really said oh you know it's okay to have a little white lie it's okay you know to um, you know if we go through the Sermon on the Mount when it comes to anger and divorce and lust and keeping your promise Oh, that's just um, hyperbole, you know, and Jesus didn't really mean that. And we subtract and we take away from what God says. Jesus says, hey, you can only choose one, either God or mammon, right? And so live out wisdom in obedience to the whole counsel of God's word. Don't add, don't subtract, you know, uh, this past week, uh, I got an email. It's from of our, one of our young men at church. He just graduated from St. Louis. His name is Schiave, and um, he was the salutatorian of St. Louis, and um, he got accepted football scholarship to uh, Columbia University in New York, an Ivy League school. And uh, I got a text that says, hey, pastor, I'd like to join... Um, the men's group. I'm like, wow. I was like, well, we meet Saturday, 6.30 in the morning. And sure enough, uh, this past Saturday, he joined us. And I love that because he is setting a foundation of obedience of God's word, of hearing God's word, but also doing God's word. That he is future-proofing himself from becoming a statistic of those who grew up in church, but because of liberal education, they've walked away from the church. 
He is future-proofing his life and the trajectory of his, his life that it won't be wasted away, but he is redeeming it so that he will not just be a nominal Christian, that he will not just be a, uh, a lukewarm Christian, but, he, but through this, reading God's word and hearing God's word and doing God's word, that he, he refuses to be a statistic and I love that. And, you know, he gave me a text um, on Saturday and says, Hey, Pastor, it's Gary. After today's Bible study, I was wondering what your daily devotional habits are. I heard you saying that we should start and end our days with the Word of God. And I gave him some tips of what I do. And, man, I just thought that was so amazing that he is setting a foundation for his life and for his future of God's word of hearing and obeying. And when he does that, when trials come, when disappointments arrive, when sickness comes knocking at his door, when there's death that of loved ones, he's, he'll be able to stay on the straight and narrow road. Why? Because of hearing and doing God's word, that foundation of solid rock. Number two, would you write down, submit to the authority and lordship of Jesus over your life. Submit to the lordship and authority of Jesus over your life. Let's read in verse 28. And when Jesus had finished these things, the crowds were what? Astonished. Let me pause there real quick. The word astonished, it doesn't necessarily mean that they um, were converted and they had complete faith. They were just kind of like, ooh, right? The crowds were astonished at his teaching. Verse 29, why? For he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. Could I geek out for you guys just a little bit? Okay. Um, Jesus spoke with authority five times in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus uses this word, truly, I say to you, right? Amen, lego, humen in Greek, meaning uh, like truly, I, I tell you. Now the word truly in Greek, it's the word amen. Uh, usually we say it in the end of a sentence or the end of a prayer, but the way Jesus used it and the way that's used in the Old Testament, it's usually an affirmation of something. The Old Testament or the Hebrew word for believe or I believe, it's the Hebrew word amon. And in the New Testament, it's amen. And in now in English, we get amen. So like in Genesis, Genesis 15, when... Uh, it says, Gen and Abraham believed God. The word there is Amon. Abraham Amon God, and he was credited to him as righteousness. Now, when Jesus used this in the New Testament, spe specifically in the Gospel of John, over 25 times, there's this formula called Amen, Amen, or truly, truly. 
Have you noticed that when Jesus spoke at the temple and he says, truly, truly, for example, in John chapter 3, he tells Nicodemus, truly, truly, amen, amen, I tell unto you. And um, when the Pharisees heard this, they were up, they were just so angry and they wanted to kill Jesus. You know why that is? Because in the temple, when a Pharisee would speak or a teacher of the law, right, would speak or a rabbi, they would say, amen. And it's like, is this not true? And then they would say, and they would say their teaching. And then the crowd would say, amen, it is true. It would be like a call and response. Amen? Amen. But what Jesus does is he, he affirms it and he affirms it for the crowd that he has this double authority. Amen, amen, I tell, I tell you that Jesus confirms his messianic identity as the son of the living God. And he spoke with authority. And I'm going to close with this, that does Jesus have authority over your life? Does the word of God, this theopneustos, this exhale of God and how God reveals himself, does the Bible have authority over your life? Does Jesus have authority and lordship over your life? In whatever area of your life, whether it's your time, whether it's your finances, whether it's your priorities, and whether it's sexuality, sex, whatever it is, does Jesus have authority over your life? Are you able to say, Amen, it is true? You know, in Bible college, I had a dear friend, uh, his name is Jeff Taylor. He was a star football player of his high school and he felt called by God to be a pastor and he's a deaf pastor. And um, when we would pray together and I could read his lips and as he would talk and he would sign and pray at the same time and I could understand him and he would always close off with amen, amen that I believe it. God said it. I believe it. It's settled. I'm going to obey. Is there an area in your life where you have, you're having a difficult time saying, I believe it? Because if when trials come, when suffering arrive, slander, sickness, Whatever it is, if you're not able to say, I believe, I believe that no matter what happens, that I'm loved because of what Jesus has done for me on the cross. I believe that nothing shall separate me from the love of Christ. I believe that he who began a good work is faithful to complete and perfect until the day of Jesus Christ. I believe that those whom he called he foreknew those who he foreknew he justified those who he justified he glorified i believe that he's the alpha omega the first the last the beginning of the end i believe see if you don't have that belief and that confidence to hear god's word and to obey it when tough seasons come i don't know if you'll be able to survive 
when the winds come, the floods, the storm, the rains, when it beats in the foundation of your life, will you be able to come out and say, Amen, I believe. And it takes the word of God and it takes the work of God to convince the human heart to believe. So let me go ahead and pray for you right now. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, I just thank you, Lord, that we have a confidence and amen to our faith. I believe, I affirm it, this is true. Lord, I just pray, Father, that these last almost five months, four months of studying the Sermon on the Mount, of living under the kingdom of God, that, Lord, that you would seal areas in our lives, Lord, that needs to fall under the lordship of King Jesus. That if you're not Lord of all, you're not Lord at all. So, Lord, I pray, God, that you would add substance to our faith, that we will not base our faith on not merely on emotions and feelings and chicken skin moments, but, Lord, that there would just be this solid rock foundation of obedience. So, Lord, I just pray right now, God, that you would, you would sustain your people, that you would build up the faith, oh, God, as we continue next week or we start our new series on, on prayer, 21 days of prayer, Lord, that you would stir up our faith, Lord, to love you, to follow you, and to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.